This episode of the Fun Ideas Podcast is dedicated to the memory of Paul Marangeli, who died this past week. He was featured on episode number 40 of this podcast, and I encourage you to go back and listen to this episode and find out what a remarkable person he was. And now, on with the show. Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is the Slow Poisoner. I come to you from the future with these words of warning. It's a hot horror planet. 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 Living in science fiction. Past the point of no returning. We got high on gasoline. And we blew the scene. Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 91. This episode is sponsored by the fine folks at Lee's Comics. Attention comic book fans, Lee's Comics of Mountain View, California has closed. But here's the good news. Lee's Comics eBay store is still going strong with over 10,000 vintage comics, the majority of which are now on sale for half off. Choose from Lee's huge stock of golden, silver, bronze, and modern age comics, and specializing in Silver Age Marvel titles. You can count on friendly service, accurate grading, and quick, secure shipping backed by a money-back guarantee. To check out Lee's eBay store, go to eBay. Click Advanced Search to the left of the search bar, scroll down to Sellers, and enter Lee's Comics, Inc., period. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S. I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Lee's Comics is shipping daily with no delays. New items daily. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast and get a free bonus gift. Long title, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Song One by One by Michael Aventrella and Mark Arnold. A book that examines each song, gives lots of details about each song and our own personal opinions. You can find this book on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, and anywhere where good books are being sold. Our webpage is wordpress.monkeys.com, where you can see many of the songs and give your own opinions of them. And we will be discussing this more on Zilch. Hey, Michael, it says here we've written another book about the monkeys. Wasn't the first one enough? Not at all, Mark. Our original book, Looking for the Good Times, Examining the Monkey Songs One by One, was very successful, but only covered half the story. Which half? The group half. Our new book, Headquartered, A Timeline of the Monkey's Solo Years, covers the solo half. Who knew the monkeys record so many solo albums? Not only that, but this book covers all of their solo projects, including stage shows, horse racing, running record labels, directing and starring in TV shows and movies, voice acting, and jail. Jail? Did the monkeys go to jail? Ah, you have to read the book to find out. You sold me. Have you sold them? Who, who, who's them? Those people out there listening to this. Well, listen to this. This book has discographies, photos, and other information about the prefab for Mickey, Davy, Peter, and Mike, the solo monkeys, plus another nifty cover by Scott Shaw. Wow, he did our last cover, and this one's equally good. Where can you get this masterpiece? Announcer. Announcer? That's me. 
Get Headquartered, a timeline of the Monkey Solo Years, written by Michael A. Ventrella and Mark Arnold. Those two guys. It's available in hardback, paperback, or ebook from BearManorMedia.com or from Amazon. Get your copies today. Cool. I'm going to get one today. The Warren Kramer book is now being laid out again after a long delay. And I'm still working on my Disney and Mad books and an article about Popeye. Today we feature the second part of the interview with our guest Jerry Beck. There's also a video version of the complete interview available on YouTube, so please check that out. Well, some things I don't think exist anymore. Like, um, you know, I wrote about in the Total Television book, you know, they did the pilot apparently for the Colossal Show. And apparently Terry Toons did it. I've asked Ralph Bakshi years ago about that, and he says, I don't know. <laughs> you know. And nobody else seems to know about it. So it might not have been done for Terry Tunes. I don't know, but, you know, there's a comic book and that's it. But, you know, I that's know. an example. It's like, it, it just seems weird. It's just kind of I still, I predict, it's, I'll be, I predict it's in a vault somewhere, and somebody will eventually pull it out at some point, I think. Throw it out. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's stuff I've been running on cartoon research that, like we ran, and again, I'm going to forget the names of it, but there was a, a Maury Amsterdam cartoon pilot that we found. I don't know if you remember that. I ran there. If we just put in Maury Amsterdam on my on cartoon research, it'll, okay. it'll come up. But, um, I mean, there's there's so many of these little pilot things yeah. that never were. Um, and then was it you who discovered, like, the Howdy Doody pilot that Team Deitch did, or was that somebody else? Oh, oh yeah. No, I was involved with Yeah, it. yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that well, that Gene was the one who told us about it, and then there was a newspaper. We found an article about it in the local magazine, and and then uh, our friends at the Library of Congress, uh, luckily for us, UPA or somebody deposited a print there, and then they <laughs> transferred it for us. For they transferred it for me to give to Gene, but I ended up putting it online. <laughs> <laughs> Never give me anything. No, no, no. And then there's like the Marx Brothers cartoon that was rumored to exist for fil- filmation, filmation, and then it did come out or whatever. And they, they, they ran in. Well, yeah, that was. Uh, I don't know about. I I know it's around now, but I know that the print they ran at uh, Comic Con was Lou Scheimer's own print. Okay. And, uh, and well, I got a, it off of YouTube. I don't know if it's there now, but I just there's snagged a, there's it. A, I a, showed there was there was this horrible filmation thing called Dick Digit or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean. You know uh, what? There's uh, good filmation. Tell me about it. There's good. Fil- no, there's no. Good well, I used to run Rod Rod Rocket. That's that's like the, I don't know. What's the best thing filmation ever did? What do you What do we think that is? You know, story wise, I don't know. I would give to Star Trek because you got well, the real writers. The real I, writers. I, I admit know. I like those, but that's the story and the acting. And yeah, the- but I, I always said this. I've said it for years. It's like since animation does audio first and you got the audio tracks and you could do CGI and three-dimensional, it's like you can oh, reanimate yeah. them and look like live action now you know, with those old yeah. uh, shows. Maybe take off the cheesy uh, music that yeah. <laughs> Filmation like, have, right. but you're, like fully orchestrated. They should I, do that. They should I wish they that. would do it. You know, it's only 22 episodes. Well, those, could, the thing is, it, it'd, be, it'd be one thing not to do it if it really was crap. But they're written by all their good writers. Yeah. They're really it, good stories. And they're yeah. actually, some of them are, I'm not sure if they're considered canon anymore, but some of them are, I think. I mean. Well, they, they, they said that's where the holodeck with first appearance yeah. in, in the animated yeah. show. So you have to yeah. give I it that if you're into Star I consider Trek. that part of the 
canon for i for do you know it's yeah. like it's 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 enough you know it's like you know even if gene roddenberry himself said you know it's like <laughs> you uh know, but, you know i i here's another digression that we don't have to go into but i was actually attended the very first star trek convention in new york mm -hmm. city i think it was in 72 and and gene roddenberry and isaac asimov were the guests and majel barrett was there too and they ran they ran two things that nobody had seen at that time. One was the opening of the Star Trek cartoon. It hadn't premiered yet Oh, cool. TV. And the other thing was they ran, and this was all on 16 millimeter. They ran Gene Berry, John Berry's personal black and white 16 millimeter print of the cage. Oh, you know, the original yeah. pilot. And again, nobody at that time, again, remember this. Yeah, was yeah now it's all common. You can guys, everything's common. It's on YouTube or whatever. But yeah. Back then it was like, we were all like, wow. You know? Did you show the bloopers? They showed the bloopers. Yeah. Right. <laughs> probably in my mind's eye, it was, they, it was also probably the best print of them ever. Because I remember he had like the, you know, they've been duped over like a million times. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. had like a perfect copy. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He had the bloopers. Um, one I asked you about on Facebook, and I think I CC'd you, and then you never really responded, no, but I'll ask now. Yeah. You, you went to the first famous monsters convention. What was that one like? You know, I don't have the biggest, I have the program book and I have the badge. Um, yeah, well, that's why I, I knew you had the badge. So that's why I was like, you know. You know, I went to all the, first of all, let me just say, I went to the Marvel convention, the DC convention. The, there was a, a, the famous monsters, which is really a Warren convention is what it was. Yeah. That's, that's coming back to me as I think about it. Uh -huh. um, I don't have any vivid memory of it, to be honest. I mean, okay. I know I was there <laughs> uh, because you know what? I think. It was mainly about creepy, eerie, and uh, and famous monsters. And even though I'm interested in all of those things, it, there was a moment of convention overload. I think this was around 1975, 76, 77. I, yeah. I don't know what year. Well, it was. 74 was the first. Oh, 74. So, it and was 75 was the second one. There's Somewhere two. in that world, there were yeah. so many of these conventions suddenly mm -hmm. in New York, it kind of got repetitious. It's hard to explain. Yeah. So that's yeah. my memory of it is, is that, oh, it's <laughs> another one of these things at that point. They were losing their special appeal. Now, did you go to the 72 EC one also? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I went Does to that. Does that one have any memories for you? I mean, I've seen photos well, from well, it. I, so all I, I can remember is I, I only, I'm not really anything special other than I know I was at the okay. big panel that had like, like yeah. all the old timers were there. I right. remember seeing Wally Wood and all these people for the first time. And that was pretty interesting. Um, um, you know, I, no, I don't have any, I'm sorry. I mean, I was friends with, you may know the name, uh, but I was actually very good friends. And I, I haven't seen him in years now with a guy named Fred Von Bernwitz. Have you ever heard I've of heard him? heard the name, yeah. He did uh, the Mad Index, right? Yes, he's very famous for being, index, from, yeah. from back in the 50s. Oh, wow. He was famous for being like the, like the biggest name Mad, not Mad, EC fan. Yeah, he was like yeah. the biggest EC fan. And I believe he worked on or one of those big EC history books that have come out. Yeah. Uh, maybe, he, maybe, you know, he did, but, he did a nice version of the index with Grant Geisman. So, yeah. I mean, if you yeah. know his name and you look him up, you'd be yeah. kind of impressed with things, but for a long time in the, uh, before I moved here, I guess in the early eighties in the eighties, uh, he used to come to my household. He was in the cartoons. He was a card. I knew him as a cartoon fan, but then I found <laughs> out later he, Oh, you're Fred Von Bernowitz, the, the EC guy. But he's a really nice guy. I love. I mean, he's. I've missed him. I haven't seen him in decades now. Yeah. But we were friends for a while. I don't know. I'm just. 
Yeah. Um, I've never met him, but you know, I've heard about him from different people from Grant. I've met Grant Geisman a few times, so yeah, yeah, and he's pretty cool. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fred von Hermitz. I mean, I have to say, I mean, I've I've interacted with most, Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I like the fact that I feel like I've interacted with most of the big fans uh, here yeah. and there. You know, who've done stuff. Well, that's a question. Is like um, anybody in animation that was around when you were like getting into it that you never really met that you kind of oh i wish i met him the killers one the killer one i can dismiss <laughs> in a quick sentence or two is i the well let me put it this way the person i really wanted to meet was tex avery i figured you'd say that. <laughs> i didn't meet tex avery but and i had the sad or if not sad i had the amazing experience actually of um he passed away i think it was in 1980 yeah i think and in 1980 uh, I came out to L.A. to go to the Cinecon, old movie convention, which was in Hollywood, um, which it normally wasn't, but it was in Hollywood. I forgot which hotel. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing, and I was going out, and I had heard, it was in the air. Again, we had no internet. I don't know how I heard this. Maybe Mark Kausler <laughs> told me that Tex Avery's funeral was going to be that weekend. Yeah. So I went. It's open to the poll. Who knew who Tex Avery was? I'm telling you, back then nobody yeah. knew he wasn't anybody. Yeah. And so I went to Forest Lawn. I found out where it was. I went, I was dressed up. I went to the, the wow. reception. <laughs> what's the word? It's not a reception, but yeah. it's the funeral. They were, it was the services. It was a who's who of everybody in animation. Hannah <laughs> and Barbara. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Chuck Jones, everyone you can think of was there and yeah. they spoke. I mean, it was the, the, the ultimate fan convention in a weird way. People, I still have, they get handed out. It's not that great. I have it in my collection somewhere. This little little uh, thing they gave you that said funeral for Tex Avery. And Art Scott was the mm -hmm. master of ceremonies. And it just says Art Scott and it has the date on it. And I, it's something they gave people. And I still have that. And, um, that was amazing. You know, the second amazing thing, and I forgot what year this was, I was involved with it. I was one of the people uh, putting it on was uh, the Grim Natwick 100th birthday. You know about that? Yeah. You know, they, they, I don't they, remember when that was, but it, yeah, I don't remember exactly. It was over 20 years ago. Yeah. He died at, he died at like 101, but they, they threw this birthday and literally anyone who was still alive, including people from New York, like <laughs> I sat with Mae Questel. Uh, it was a banquet. It was done like a banquet. Mm -hmm. And everybody, all the old timers, everybody who ever knew Grim Natwick, who was alive, came to this thing. Wow. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> um, you you weren't at our, uh, or were you at our June Foray thing that we did a couple of years ago? I did ago? not. I did not make it. I met June a couple of times in their lifetime. That was so. a pretty, that was, that was all, not quite as, because a lot of the real classic people, she outlived everybody. So, right. <laughs> uh, you know, that, but that was the audience there was pretty much a who's <coughs> today. The last time I saw her was when we, you, in fact, I'll show the book I got. Oh. oh I bought that book. Oh, yeah, that book. Peabody and Sherman one. And uh, Daryl Van Sitters was there with June for his Jay Ward book. Yep. And, that, and that was a weird night for me. I don't know if I told you at the time because um, I had to make the choice of going to that Rocky and Bullwinkle event because June Foray was there or stay at Spurback where I was because Stan Freeberg was there. Oh, yeah. And I couldn't do both because they were not close yeah. enough, you know, mm -hmm. even though I had my car, unless I just said hi, bye, zoop, and go right. to the other. 
And so I had seen Stan before, so I right. said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll live. I you know, I like June and I haven't seen her in a while. Right. And uh, I, think, I mean, you know, you, I think you made the right decision, but that's my, <laughs> my, but, uh, my Yeah. My, my fonder memory with June is uh, when um, her book came out that Evanier and uh, was it, uh, who else? Earl Cress. Earl, Earl Cress. Thank you. I was going to say Mark Kausler, Cress, Kausler, whatever. Yeah. Kazala, but <laughs> uh, to make case. Um, anyway, when her book came out, my total television book came out at the same time. And uh, just luck of the draw, he sat us side by side to autograph our respective books. So I got to talk to her for a while. So that was pretty cool. And uh, <laughs> it's neat. That's great. And it was at Van Eaton Gallery's booth in San Diego. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Back in the days when you could have a booth in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, those days. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back to that eventually. We're, having, we're all having a timeout. We're having a universal timeout. Yeah. yeah, the world has to catch up to the Marvel movie timeline, which is like yeah. 2023. <laughs> Remember, five years later, yeah. we have to catch up to that. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of thinking, uh, you know, on the pandemic thing, it'll just be, you know, because I studied the 1918 one uh, when this one started, and it's like it's probably going to be like two or three years, but there's no real conclusive evidence of how it ended. It just kind of stopped. You know, it's yeah. like it, it's like it just kind of affected enough people. And it was done. And it's almost like that's going to happen this time. You know, it's just Walt eventually Disney, just Walt more. Disney, Walt, Disney, you know. Walt Disney actually got that flu that in 19, I think, 17 or 1918. He actually came down with whatever the pandemic was then. Yeah. It was Spanish flu is what they call Spanish it. But, you know, it's like, you know, wow, I didn't know that. I, you know, I know quite a bit about Disney. Maybe I've read it before, but I didn't oh, think Oh, yeah, that. look, look yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. 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 He, actually, he actually had it. A lot um, of people had it. But the one thing that, you know, I also started studying, and I don't know if you did, uh, is I go, what happened to movies during that time? Because now they just closed all the stuff. And it's like, like Charlie Chaplin, uh, apparently he had a couple in the can and they, they moved the release date later, yeah. just like they're doing with, say, Wonder Woman now, you know. So, the, the, the reason, yeah, the thing is that movies weren't what they were even five years later then movies yeah. feature movies were really a new thing th at that time um so it wasn't you know it wasn't exactly the same that said i forgot if it was the hollywood reporter but someone wrote an article about movies during that period and it was exactly what you're saying which is the movie theaters closed and then when they reopened people had to sit apart with the just like today with with yeah. masks yeah. and um and there was there's definitely stories about uh you know, movie theater owners claiming they're going to go out of business. And I was, there's, there's an article that somebody wrote, and I think it was in the Hollywood Reporter about it. So yeah. it, you can look that up and find it. There's yeah. And uh, there was a couple of celebrities, I forgot which ones, like, because I didn't think we were going to talk about this necessarily, okay. like that, that came down with it other than Walt Disney. And then, yeah. you know, the, the famous one, which I don't want to, you know, I'm like, Sue, I don't want to bring him up, but I'm bringing him up. Uh, you know, Donald Trump's grandfather actually died from it, but oh. you know, you think he would care a little bit more. <laughs> anyway, yeah, since yeah. someone in his own family died from it, but you know, it's like, <laughs> anyway, but you know, any other <laughs> questions for me about my uh, illustrious career? career? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what I had. Um, one thing I always notice is whenever you're on Stu's show, see, a lot of this is based on when I it's see Stu's show. It's on me being on and actually be, being able to answer questions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, let's wait for the next email. Or yeah. Anyway, no. Um, okay. You're more in the industry than I am, obviously. 
So you always seem to see like every animated film that comes down the pike, almost, you know, if not almost. Are are you like obligated to see all these films, or do you just get free press passes and you go? Eh, yeah, combination of the a combination of all okay. all of that. Part of it is okay. my own perverse fascination with seeing as many as I can. Yeah, I, I'm more interested in the features than series TV, strangely enough. Right. Um, I'm, and because I, that's why I did that book, The Animated Movie Guide, that I need to update. That, right. desperately. Oh, I had that one too. I'm yeah. Sure that one. The, um, no, I'm fascinated with animated features. That one. <laughs> that one, yeah. And the, um, is this the newest edition or is there There's only one? one edition. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you had two. Yeah, okay. I need to update it. Right. But right. the, um, so I'm fascinated with that. So it's part of, uh, in the beginning or way back when, you know, whenever that was 15 years ago, I mean, seeing everything was a mission I had that I wanted to see every animated feature. Yeah. Um, and then you're right, uh, because I do blogs, because I'm mainly because I'm in a CIFA, a CIFA Hollywood, A-S-I-F-A. That's the group that does the Annie Awards here. We, do the, we give out an Annie Award for Best Animated Feature every year and Best, I don't know if you know about the Annie Awards. Yep. But um, you yep. should look yep. into it. The, uh, we, we, we put on this great, we put on this great event, and the industry takes it. The industry takes it seriously. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, they do take it seriously. It's it's real. It's it's yeah. it's a great organization that like all the animators are in, and we all vote on. on I still stuff. think. So, I still so, think Klaus should have won, not Toy Story. Me too. Anyway, the um, I think it won on our award. I'm not sure, but the thing is. Um, uh, no, so for as part of a CIFA, and at the moment I happen to be holding the title as president of the group. I will not be the president of the group for long. We're going to bring in somebody else. My term limit is up. Unlike I will leave gracefully for my uh, for my presidency. But I, I, I uh, the um, no, but as part of that, I deal with and my websites. I deal with all the studios. I get invited. You're right. I get invited to all the all the films and. Uh, Part of being in a CIFA and voting on them, you, you kind of have to watch as all of them in order to properly yeah. vote for the nominees. You know, so so uh, yeah, that's 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 the reason that and my own personal love and fascination for yeah. it. You know, I mean, I don't like to be such a stick in the mud to say, oh, I don't like any of these remakes. You know, or I don't <laughs> like it when they. I, I never say this. You will never hear this from my lips other than me saying what other people have said. Oh, because they put out this new version, it ruined my childhood. It didn't ruin my childhood at all. I don't have to watch it. And even if I do watch it, how could it ruin it? I still have the original. I don't know. I've um, been saying that for years. When everybody talks about remakes and things, I'm like... But uh, the one I actually saw yesterday, and that's why it kind of made me write this down and bring it up, is... Uh, so on Netflix, they had the Woody Woodpecker film that came out a couple oh, years ago. That's horrible. And I actually like parts of it. You know, not everything, but, I, you know, there's a couple laughs. It had the requisite yeah. fart jokes and stuff like that. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, it's like, is there something like that? Like, I assume you saw it then, right? I, or, saw, I have it sitting right there. Oh, you own it. Okay. Well, I have yeah. a copy of it. Yeah. 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 And uh, But, I mean, is there just something you just got? No. I can't. I can't. Even with a free ticket, I can't. You know. Um. Wow. <laughs> no, I think I've seen all those movies that I later or even before. Like I didn't want to like. I didn't want to see Dumbo, but I had. I felt I had. I to haven't see seen that yet, and it's on Disney Dumbo Plus. So it's horrible. Yeah. 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 And, That's why I did, um, you know I didn't see it because you said it was so bad. It seemed depressing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, you know. <sighs> 
You know, I, I mean, I, all I could think of is, and this is Stu related, is that Yogi Bear movie, which, yeah. which isn't really that bad, except Yogi is so horrible looking, I can't look at it. You know, <laughs> well, probably, I equate the Yogi Bear movie with like the Woody Woodpecker movie. If they, if they went back in, if they went back in and, and did the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog thing and re redesigned it and yeah. put the movie out again, it might be a better movie. Yeah. Um, that Sonic the Hedgehog movie wasn't that bad, by the way. I saw that. Yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, you know, there's movies I can't stand that are remakes of things, but no, I, I don't know. I, I've, I'm sure there is something, you know, that, that uh, nothing in advance, meaning nothing before I saw it. It's like, it's like Tom and Jerry, the movie, like yeah. after I saw it, it was like, that was horrible. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of the, here we go. The Jetsons movie. I'm yeah. Just, I'm pulling. I, I, I liked it at the time, but then, you know, watching it later because I got it on DVD. Yeah. It said, I like the titles, the main titles. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I then I found out, you know, again, mentioning Greg Airbar, he said that they wanted to put a Tiffany song to open that film and not the titles. And it's like, Oh my God! It would make it even worse. <laughs> yeah, it was a different world. It was a different. I'm looking at my shelves to see if there's any films that I can remind myself that I don't particularly like. But uh, I don't know. I'm sure there is. I've, I've seen so many things I can't remember anymore. I have to think about look, look yeah. literally look at a list of titles from my book to remind yeah. myself. Oh yeah. Uh, I used to say for years the worst animated feature ever was. Get ready. It's not anything you're thinking. It's. Uh, that Betty Boop for president, or Ray, <laughs> Ray for Betty Boop, that colorized Betty Boop movie. That that's the that, worst yeah. movie that somebody tried to peddle as a real movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's really bad. Yeah, there's, there's a I, I lot got it of, when it came out on DVD just because they had a, a fic, I think it was Bush and Gore, you know, as yeah. the ballot. So that's there's, about the time it came out on DVD. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of movies that came out like you know, like 10 years ago, uh, as late as 10 years ago, movies by, um, what's the name of that company? I remember seeing in a screening room that this movie that I don't recommend at all called Trumpet of the Swan. It's horrible. You know, it's like a TV I've movie. I've heard of it. I don't know if I've yeah, seen it's, it. It's, by, it's by that, um, oh, uh, it's the guy who co-directed, um, 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 sorry, uh, having a brain thing, a brain freeze. The, um, uh, the, the Disney film, um, uh, he, the guy, there's a guy who co-directed Fox and the Hound and The Black Cauldron. Um, and he went off and had his own company. He's also... What, Bluth? Don Bluth? It's not Bluth. Oh, it's, um, okay. it'll come, it's one of the directors of that. I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm, your audience is screaming out the name right now in front of me. I'll get it later. That guy has okay. made... He's the guy who made The Swan Princess. Okay. Th that company has made a bunch of junk. Probably The Swan... <laughs> Uh, Swan Prince is probably the best thing they ever did. Yeah, I think I saw that one and wasn't terribly impressed. It's just another Disney ripoff. Yeah. Kind of yeah. like movie. <laughs> um, the worst Bluth movie is probably Rockadoodle with, uh, <laughs> with uh, you know, a runner-up being maybe Thumbelina, in my opinion. Oh, wow. <laughs> Those are horrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good animation, but really, really yeah. didn't make sense. Well, I always thought that about blue stuff, except maybe the the American Tale films. You know, uh, most yeah. of his stuff, most of blue stuff looks good, but just like eh. well, Secret of Nim. I remember when I saw Secret of Nim, I said, "Wow, this looks really good." But I wish I thought it was more exciting. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, Secret of Nim. I I keep thinking has a third act problem. I say that because I I was at United Artists mm -hmm. back then, back in the day, back in '82. I worked for United Artists, and 
I became friendly in 80, 81, 82. While they were making Secret of Nim, I get, became friendly with the studio. And I got to come out to LA and I got to see, meet the studio and I did publicity work for them. And, um, and uh, I re still remember that they, sh I'm still friends with them. If they're watching, I'm, I love you guys, you know, Gary Goldman and Don Bluth. But I, I haven't spoken to them in a long time. But um, the, um, they used to show me, they would have me out and I would see, they'd show me the first two thirds of the movie. And I never saw the end of the movie till it <laughs> came out. Yeah. And, I'm, and I was so good that they did that because I thought it was great. I thought the first two thirds were fantastic. If you just sort of cut it off at a certain point, it's yeah. really good. Yeah. But then it just, it just falls apart. Somewhere before before the ending where she's rising the stone with magic and all that, like somewhere before that, they cut it, they cut it. All that stuff after at the end uh, kind of ruins the stuff that comes before it. That's <laughs> well, that's I, one of those ones, and I'll mention another one that's that way. Uh, but I will tell you after you give your answer, I was going to say, oh, are there any movies that you loved or at least liked when you first saw it and then you revisited it later and said, wow, this is really crap? Well, the, the closest one I mentioned earlier, but I didn't go in depth about it, and I haven't actually completely rewatched it yet, but I'm going to because it's on Disney+, Plus, and that's, unbelievably, it's Sword in the Stone. Oh, wow. When I was a kid, and I saw it when I was a kid, I love that movie. I love Sword in the Stone. I came out, I was happened to be eight years old in its oh, okay. initial release. So yeah. I saw it at the perfect time. Plus, they were public publicizing it. Walt Disney's still alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, I thought it was magical. I thought it was great. And then I watched it like five years ago or something like that. And I was so surprised how much I didn't like it and how yeah. cheap it seemed to me. And uh, I'm so happy that Disney... Uh, his last film that he supervised was Jungle Book, thank God, because yeah. I would hate to have seen him lead, you know, go out with Sword in the Stone as his last. At least, it went, at least with Mary Poppins and, and Winnie the Pooh even, and yeah. uh, uh, Jungle Book, he leaves on an up note, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. But, but Sword in the I, Stone... I don't think I hate it as much as you do. I, I saw it when it was um, well, I, there's, there's early other, 80s reissue, so I was like, 14, 15. There are something. other Disney movies that I, I hate more. And, 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 and that said, I remember the first time I saw all of these, I liked them. But in, my, in retrospect, as time has gone on, I've grown to hate them. One of them is a fan favorite, Robin Hood. I really hate that one. <laughs> Boy, uh, uh, you know, it's at that nadir period of... of is it because and, they reuse so then, much animation or... It's Oh, because they reuse all the, they re, so much reuse of that. It's so cheap. Yeah, it's so yeah. cheap. And I remember somebody at the time, I remember a criticism literally at the time, a friend of mine said to me, um, oh, well, you know, like in the movie, you're supposed to be scared that he's scaling the wall and you're afraid. I mean, he's, it's a cartoon. You know, he's not going to die. I mean, I remember somebody, <laughs> a friend of mine saying that to me and it like broke sort of some, some kind of a spell. I'm like, hey, yeah, you're right. It's... <laughs> It's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, the um, the movie that I think, and I'm not one to ever say this as a historian, but the movie they could erase from their filmography, and I would that would delight me. That would make me happy. It would make it would be. It's become a fan favorite, unfortunately. Uh, the Black Cauldron. I really, really hate that movie. I hate yeah. it. Hate yeah. it. I never and, liked it on first release. I wanted to like it. Yeah. Yeah. I really wanted to like it, and. Yeah. 
there was a t- when it came out, I think I kind of said, well, it's better than Fox and the Hound. Right. You know, but I looking at it again, you know, it's like, no, it isn't. <laughs> it's, derivative of, it's derivative of Sleeping Beauty and a whole bunch of other stuff. And, 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 and uh, I can, you can see where the management fiddled with it by adding the fair folk. And the whole thing is, is yeah. a mess, in my opinion. Um, and that's, so that's one that reduced down secret to Nim is one. And then the third one, I was going to say, now people love this film too. And I yeah. still love the opening five minutes is who framed Roger rabbit. It's like, oh. it used to be way up here. And now it's kind of like the live action. Well, I think good. You, there's moments. I think, but... I think you might change your mind in time. It may take another okay. 10 years, but I think you'll change your mind. <laughs> But I loved it when it came out. I I loved it when I first saw it. And then almost immediately, because I, being an animation nut, I saw it many, many times. Yeah. Almost immediately within that year or two, I, my opinion of it died down because I, I, I resented, I thought I, this is what I remember thinking. I I really didn't like that. They're trying to bite off so much here. They're trying to do not only, uh, what classic cartoons are like, but they're also trying to do a film noir parody. It's like they were yeah. trying to do so many things in that movie, and it's like they should have just done one thing and played it straight. That's what I thought. That, that was me, and I didn't like the movie because it was it was trying to be something. Um, it just didn't make sense to me. It, I mean, it did make sense, but it didn't make sense that they would if they had just done it what I call straight. Uh, it would have been a better movie, I th- thought. Now, that said, as years have gone by, I've grown to really like it, and I can see what they're doing, and I, I've yeah. flipped around back to liking it a lot now. Yeah. But I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I felt that way at one point. <laughs> and um, seems like there's another one that was that oh, way. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a movie that I saw and really liked when I first saw it, and I hate it now. And it's an awful movie. And it's animated. You ready? Okay. All right. You ready? <clears throat> it's not Disney. Okay. Um, I, have a, I have another one, too, and it's okay. not Disney. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, go right. ahead. And one could say this about this man's whole career, but it's this one movie, and it's Wizards. Oh! <laughs> when, when Wizards came out in 77... And as I like to say, as a, a trivia question, I tell people, I go, um, 20th Century Fox released two fantasy movies in 1977 that both featured Mark Hamill. Can you name the other movie? And the other movie is Wizards. <laughs> okay, yeah. But um, the um, Wizards, I, in 1977, again, 70s, animation, Nader, nothing's going on. Right. And yeah. so Wizards comes out, and it's got, it's rated R or something. It's got... It's it's like a ripoff of Cheech Wizard. It's like you know, it's you know, it's it's got stuff in it that nobody's doing. Yeah. Okay, I could still say that, but in retrospect now, especially now with what's come ever since, it really looks cheap. It re- <laughs> and the story is pretty bad. It's just bad. And yeah. but it was better in its day and in that moment. But yeah. It's, it's, I you could say that about a lot of 70s films. I don't even think Fritz the Cat's as good as it once was. Or well, that's true. But Fritz, Watership Down or Lord yeah, of the Rings Down. or uh, what's another one? Uh, uh, well, Fantastic you know Planet. <laughs> no, I, I, I got to say this. I worked at United Artists. And I could tell, I'm trying to interweave my little career here. But I worked in United Artists when Lord of the Rings came out as well. That's when I started working there. Yeah. And um, I hated it. <laughs> 
when it first came. I hated it. <laughs> hated it. Hated it. It was boring. It didn't think it told the story well. Not that I even knew the story, but I did. I just hated it. And then, and of course, it has a cliffhanger ending or something. And there was never a part two. Right. Anyway, so unbelievably, I was forced to watch it again on the big screen because I was going to interview Ralph. This was a couple of years ago here in L.A. Mm-hmm. I did, they, they asked me, would I come and interview Ralph? And it's after a screening of Lord of the Rings. Oh, brother. So I went, <laughs> went to the film, watched it over, now having seen the Lord of the Rings live action movies, now knowing more about it, now looking at it, totally in retrospect. Haven't seen it in 30 years or whatever, 40 years maybe. And, and I'm sitting there going, this isn't as bad as I thought it was. I, it's weak. It's not as bad. So I'm sorry, Lord of the Rings is a movie where I actually, my opinion of it has grown. It's still not great, but mm-hmm. I remember hating it That's and funny. I don't hate it now. Sorry. Now, one that's uh, gotten, a, and I thought you were going to say this a few moments ago when you said this guy has a real cult status now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you didn't mention it. You said uh, Black Cauldron instead. I thought you were going to say Space Jam. <laughs> Oh, that's well. You're right that it's 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 so, beloved now. Yeah. What What's your opinion about it? I mean, I've kind of gone through a love hate on it too. I, I too, think it's okay. Too. I think it's okay. Uh, right. I think I'm with you on that. The um, on um, when it first came out, uh, I kind of didn't like it, but 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 because I'm not a sports person and I couldn't yeah. care less, yeah. and I didn't like the monsters. I didn't like the, the character <laughs> design. I thought it didn't fit with the Looney Tunes designs. I thought there was some some great animation. I thought there was occasionally a good joke here or there. Um, it was a watchable movie, but I didn't love it. I haven't. I, I'm actually kind of in hankering to see it again. Uh, I want to kind of see it again anyway. But um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I, I long story short, I ended up on. I, I didn't care for it on the big picture of things. That said, um, I don't think I, I have to see it again. I, I have a feeling I'm not going to hate it as much. Yeah. And then what about the later one, the back in back action? action. I'm a fan of back in action. Okay. It's a little kooky. Yeah. I remember, you know, I mean, it, it's almost got a bad rap. I don't know why people are, anybody's yeah. you know, got a problem with it. It's got some great stuff. I, I like both of them for the kind of the same reason, because I mean, I was like a, a purist for a while there. It's like, ah, oh, Bugs Bunny by anybody other than Mel Blanc, Blah, you know, and then, yeah. you know, I've kind of gotten over that because enough time has passed. So it's like, well, you're not going to have Mel Blanc anymore. You got to right. use newer people and some of the newer people have grown on me you know yeah. so uh yeah I mean, there, I, there's there's moments in both i mean i i yeah. think uh, on space jam to defend that one over i i think i give the nod to space jam a little bit more on back to action i like bill murray in it and actually yeah. michael jordan even though he's a sports guy actually does a pretty credible acting right. job considering oh, i agree yeah. i agree <laughs> i agree with all of that if there's some good things in it i, I yeah. I mean, now that enough time's gone by, you know, we can look at it's 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 easier to assess these things when lots of time has gone by. Yeah, well, that's why I asked the question. You know, it's yeah. like you know, is that I mean, I think that I think back in action will be appreciated more in in the future. Yeah, it's it's a little too in jokey, um, yeah. but um, it's a little too. It assumes everybody in the audience knows the characters and the jokes and some of the things, but. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I like it better. I was actually on the set of it once, one day, okay, cool. which, I, which is cool. Did you meet anybody like Steve Martin or anything? Or? No, I'm, no, oh. I know, I know. I didn't. I met uh, Joe Dante. Cool. But, uh, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and I was in the like the set that has. It's like one of the uh, like a laboratory that has all these 
you know, the things for where they have the creatures are in the lab. Anyway, I'd have to look at it again to remind yeah, myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. I, I once, I once got, I once got on the set of, because I'm friends with Frank Conniff, who's my partner on the cartoon Dumb oh, yeah. mm-hmm. show TV's Frank. And he was a writer on uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, the, the live action sitcom? The live action one, okay. which is a pretty okay. good show, actually. Yeah. And I got to, one day, he, he just, you know, let's meet him for lunch. And so I got to go to the set and watch them actually shoot, you know, a scene. You know, mm-hmm. I forgot what scene or what episode, but, <laughs> but I was watching. You know, I, I, that's a rare, believe it or not, that's rare. I, I, don't, I don't know if anybody thinks that's what I do all the time or have ever done it. But um, I don't. And uh, what do you actually, do all the time? <laughs> but to actually, to actually be in a Hollywood, it was a universal to be on a Hollywood lot in a Hollywood soundstage, watching them shoot with cameras. You know, uh, you know, a scene from it's not a movie; it's a TV show, but it's, it's pretty close. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That rarely happens. So. Well, actually, that makes it makes think of something. Is like you had that one cartoon you did called Horn Swiggle way back when. How actively involved were you on that since that was your baby? So were you there every day kind of like directing it or, okay. In, I wasn't the official director. My friend Rich Ahrens was. Um, yeah. the, uh, my friend Tom Cito was involved. Earl Kress was involved. Um, uh, but I, like, they, I literally had an office at Nickelodeon for at least a month. Maybe it was two months. <laughs> I was there every day. But, yeah. um, but and. And, and then even when I wasn't there, before and after, um, we were working on storyboards, we were reviewing footage, and uh, um, it, to me it was super exciting. It was probably one of the, I have several highlights in my crazy life, that would be one of them, mm-hmm. was to, because I was a showrunner for what I call a day, even though it was like two <laughs> months. I was a showrunner for a month, I got to feel what it's like to run a cartoon production and involved from the beginning, voice, Renee, I, uh, Rene Abujanois, who recently passed away, he was the lead character. I, I hired him. I, I auditioned him. You know, I, amongst many other people, and um, I was no, I was the producer. I was the the head guy doing it. And if it had gone to being a series, I would have been the head guy or something. But yeah. it was a offbeat, one off thing. And I was going to say, uh, any more projects like that ever coming up, or is it like? Well, it doesn't uh, have to be that character. Just. Anything no. like that, you know? No, uh, well, well, on the one hand, no, and on the one hand, maybe. Uh, because, no, I mean, nothing at this moment. I'm teaching mainly this at yeah. the moment during the pandemic, but, um, and I'm writing and I'm doing other things. But, uh, but I am pitching something. Uh, I'll try to hint it without, let's see if I can't give it away or not. I, but I, <laughs> it's a long story, but it's, it's with, it's would be with Nickelodeon and it would be, it's, it's a, I'll also say it's a revival. It's a reboot. And um, which Hornswiggle was. I mean, I'll give you a quick behind the scenes on that, which was that was me trying to reboot Sydney the Elephant, which makes right. sound, in retrospect, that sounds like that makes no sense whatsoever. But I had, a, I had people who were willing to listen to me. Mm-hmm. And we actually spent a year. It is not easy to sell a show and do this sort of thing. So I, if, if for one year, once a month for a year, I forgot what year. I guess it would be 2004 or something like that. Yeah. Um, I went in every single, once a month, I went in every month uh, to see producers there and the people there, and I would pitch a version of this Sydney thing. <laughs> and um, and they said, okay, we like it, but could you do this? And, and okay, so you go back, you come back the next month, you do that, you pitch it again. You know, I mean, that's... I mean, Earl Crest being involved was part of that. They wanted me to get a writer that they had known 
Right. Okay, they knew Earl, so I got her. Earl's my friend. So we, and then uh, they also same thing with the director. I mean, it was like it was like that book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. Right. The first the first thing was me and the horse, and by the right. by the twelfth time, <laughs> it was the parade. You know, it was right. like we had sixteen people in the room, and we had a storyboard, mm-hmm. and we had everything, and. And I and then this is the thing I won't, I'll never forget. I've told this story to people. I'm not sure I ever did it recorded, which is that I went in with 16 people in the room and buzzers and bells and all the stuff, pitching it. Here's the story. Horn. It's 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 Sydney the elephant. <laughs> um, and there I and I said to everybody in advance because this just happened to me 12 months in a row. They're going to say something at the end. If they don't say yes, right there in the room, they're going to say, can you just do this? And then we're all going to have to come back next month because that's what happened for 12 months in a row. Mm -hmm. So back in again, and and here's the thing. Oh, man, talk about me having, if I have, if I ever had self-control, this was it. (laughs) They said, they said, could it not be Sydney? <laughs> Could it be not that character? We looked into, you know, Viacom. We're, we're part of Viacom, but it's going to be a problem. It's going to be an issue. If you Could you change it? And, like, you got to imagine we're invested in this really heavily. And, they're, and they, it's like, well, gee, if, if you wanted it to be another animal, I never, this, we wouldn't have written this story. We wouldn't have done this. We wouldn't have done that. It would be a whole other, it would have come up with something completely different. But we, we went down this road because we we're doing Sydney the Elephant. Yes. As well as you could change it. Now, they did imply, they did imply that if I changed it, they didn't say this, but they implied that if you change it, we're there. Yeah. You know, but they didn't say it that way. Yeah. But so literally, I sold the gang. We all went out to the diner. We, I said, okay, let's redo the boards. And I said, you know what? They don't want Sydney. I don't have to change the art direction. I don't have to change a lot of stuff. All I had to do is change the character. And um, I had a friend, I, I was gonna I was gonna scream at people. I really was. And I was gonna scream at people. People <laughs> were telling me, don't, don't hold back, hold back. Because if all they're saying is just change it, then maybe we have a shot. And I'm going, I go, I, and then and then, anyway, as long as I finally I, I somehow decided on a rhinoceros because I wanted to keep the same exact script and the same right. character and the same, you know, same look. And so um, and then, um, a friend of mine, another friend of mine, uh, a guy, I'll give him credit right here now named Bill Vallely. I forgot oh, yeah. if he gets co-credit or not. He should have, I think he does get a co-writing credit. I think I, I think I, in order to pay him, Bill, if you heard, never heard this, in order to pay you for your co-writing, I had to take my name off of it because, because I co-wrote it too. And, yeah. uh, the only way to pay Earl and the only enough money for two writers. So mm. I, I jumped out because I was getting it from being a producer, right? right. A creator, and so, um, so they they we 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 changed it. And Bill Valley is the guy who came up with the name Hornswiggle, oh, okay. and like Hornswoggle. And I yeah, went in yeah. back in with that, and um, and then yeah, they yeah, they finally said yes. You know, that was like a big thing. <laughs> and then I had this great roller coaster ride of the whole production of it, which was really a wonderful thing. I had been involved without going into it at all. Uh, but, but, you know, my history is pretty rich in all this because I was a development executive at Nickelodeon and Disney at one point and a TV division. And um, 
So I was working in the business and I knew a lot about it. And I knew a lot about how to do it, but to actually sit in that seat and, and to do it, you know, was a, was a really thrilling thing because you're the king and anything you say goes, I, you know, I had an, I had some, I've learned a lot. There were things in it then that I would redo if I could. And I would redo a, a certain things in it. Um, um, but I never, so far I haven't had a second chance, unfortunately, oh, wow. to be in that seat. I am, uh, um, pitching something. I guess I'll have to be Katie. Well, I mean, my yeah. final question, so yes, there is an end to this, no, <laughs> was just what are you working on and uh, what are oh. your upcoming projects, pandemic or not? <laughs> yeah, so, I, um, because I stupidly, well, I, I, I love I love teaching history of animation. It's like a little dream job, uh, except that I'm, like anything that you love, you can you can be immer you can drowned in it. You know, let's say you love chocolate, you can drown in chocolate. You know, <laughs> I'm drowning in the chocolate of teaching. Meaning, uh, meaning um, I because of the pandemic and remote teaching, it turns out there were some more opportunities to teach beyond my immediate area, uh, right. like Laguna Beach, and I actually have a school friend of mine who moved to Tennessee. And every school around the country has animation classes now. Mm -hmm. And a couple of these people um, asked if, you know, they, knowing I was available, you know, contact me, said, do you want to teach remotely with our school? I'll go, okay. Of course, you get those offers, people coming to you, you're going to say, yes, I do. And so I just said, oh, this is kind of cool. I could actually make a lot of money <laughs> teaching in all these schools, you know, and I, I paste <laughs> it. So I'm only teaching like one class a day. But I I went too far and I'm teaching a class uh, five days a week. Oh geez, <laughs> it's too much. I've learned it's way it's 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 a lot harder than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be oh I I've already got these classes prepared. I've got the powerpoints. I've got all the the videos transferred the MPEGs and I mm -hmm. I figured out all these ways to do it. And but it's it's there's a lot of work involved. And I'm, the thing I didn't think about was the the grading. You know grading. The students and stuff. Oops. A lot of stuff, a lot of papers to read, and it's really, it's really hard. So uh, I don't recommend doing that. Don't do what I did. But I'm teaching. So I mean, mainly I'm doing fine during the pandemic. I'm teaching and uh, doing the blogs, and uh, um, I have. I'm actually doing some freelance stuff, but all of that is. You know, I, I it's not even something I can actually mention on on uh, like I like I worked on the Bugs Bunny 80th uh, Blu-ray that's coming out. Right. Oh, here's I, another book plug. Yeah, you, I don't have the newer version, but I mean, you have the updated version of this yeah. one. Yeah, I, I have the newer version somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the, it's, not even, it's not even a newer version; it's the same book. It's well, new cover, right? Is like has a red cover or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm doing um, uh, that and. Um, um, I have a couple of things, like I said, I'm, I'm working on this pitch with, uh, with collaborators and uh, I'm hoping to sell them on this idea. Uh, I think it's a good idea. I think it makes complete sense and it, we'll, we'll see if it, if I can get anywhere with it. Um, and um, I do have some book ideas and I'm futzing with them. Um, you know, I don't know if I, uh, you know, uh, one of them is an update of the animated movie guide and the other one, the other one is a book I mentioned that I, I want to do on my blog, which is a book related to the Academy Awards and cartoons. Yeah. And, and um, 
outside of that, that's keeping me crazily busy right now. <laughs> I, I do want to show you this show and tell that I have in my okay before we hang up. So oh, you can go, oh, wow. Oh, quick, 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 okay, quick question before you show it. Uh, cartoon research. Yeah. Uh, you had your friend uh, Kevin Scott Collier. Is that his name? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, he's done a number of books for you, but there's, now there's a dry spell. Is there any more coming down? No, way? no. Let me let me explain this. I'm being deadly honest here. I'm, I'm I am an honest. I'm not hiding anything from anybody. Yeah. The no. First of all, I don't make one penny from any of those books. Number one. <laughs> number two, I recommend all those books. They're great. Yeah. I, feel, I don't know if you bought any of them. They're really. I bought all of them. <laughs> But all like them. seventeen of them or something, you know. Really, I'd have to go yeah, count them. Something I have to like that, yeah. And they're all different they, sizes. They're, aren't they know. great? I mean, yeah. What happened was this. I'm going to quickly give the origin of that. What happened was um, Scott sent me a book he had done. He does lots of books on right. all sorts of subjects. Yeah. And he he's in the Midwest, and he had sent me out of the blue uh, a book he did that's not a cartoon research book that was on Windsor McKay and Windsor McKay's right. Bronx Place, right? Yeah. And he said that to me. And I said, I looked at it, and it was so little thin, and I'm like, and it was small, it was cheap, and it's like, what's in there is too big for a blog post, but it's too small for a real book, you know? Yeah. It's right in the middle. So, but I, strangely enough, I had the thought uh, years ago, <laughs> actually, this is borne out, I, I, can, I can prove it, um, I had a thought years ago when I was doing Cartoon Brew, there's a, there's a name I don't mention anymore, yeah. um, but when I, wonder doing, why. I, when I was doing Cartoon <laughs> Brew, we actually did a mini book. Most people don't remember it, or if you bought it, it cost a lot of money. It was like a lot of money. It was, it was a book. Uh, I have it on my shelf. I can go get it. It's called Inside UPA. It's a uh, little mini book. You know, let me, let me, I don't know if for, I have that one. Just for show and tell. I'll, yeah, uh, since you're doing show and tell anyway, get, get the other one too. Or whatever. Sure <laughs> uh, the reason most people don't know it, it costs something like, I can't remember if it was like $45 or... 60 i mean this is how oh, wow. I, yeah i don't have that yeah <laughs> and and if you look at it, if you go inside it now it amid actually did it although i created the title it was a it says down here cartoon brew book yeah See? yeah uh -huh. so the idea was that the idea we had this idea back then of doing these mini books and this is actually a great book but it's it's mainly, mainly pictures but it's very cool because it's lots of pictures taken by people who worked at upa at the time so you get, you almost feel like you're inside UPA. I'm the one, again, I don't need to dwell on the fact that I created the title because we had no title for this book for the longest time. And I said, <laughs> why don't we just call it inside UPA? Cause that's what's actually what's in it yeah. uh, anyway. But, um, um, that was the thing I wanted to do these little mini books uh, it, that, you know, where this idea comes from, you'd appreciate this. It comes from my, I had two sisters, as I mentioned, and they were teeny boppers and they watched the monkeys. And they bought Tiger Beat magazine, and they bought Sixteen magazine, and they bought. And of course, I read them because they were there. Yep. I didn't buy them; but they, they were in my household. <clears throat> and I remember, um, if you look at those ones from the '60s, uh, particularly the Monkees. I think they did this with the Beatles, and this some of the others. They would have. I don't know. Again, I can't remember if this was Sixteen or Tiger Beat or both. But they would have like there'd be a page that would say, uh, "Send away a dollar, and you get four little mini books." And like one would be all about Davy. Oh know, yeah, yeah. Right, <laughs> all about these little mini books. I think my sisters bought them, and mm. they were like, they were ridiculous because they were mainly a little sixteen-page book of photos. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if there's any words in those books. Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, of course that's what the girls wanted anyway, right? They, yeah. they just wanted the pictures. Of them. 
So, but I love the idea that this magazine was selling these mini books, this little extra thing. So I, one day I thought back in the cartoon brew days, I thought, I got a great idea. In addition to what we're doing, why don't we came out these little mini books, you know, um, uh, you know, that, I don't know. I just thought that would be a fun idea, maybe a way to make money. Um, you may not remember this, but early on, this is even before cartoon brew, I think I could be wrong. Back when, because I had started Cartoon Research, the, the website, get ready for this. I want. By the way, I'm digressing, folks. This is only for my absolute, absolute killer, have-to-know-everything fan. I'm going to get a drink here. Uh, oh, please. I got my water right here. The, the Cartoon Research was something I started up in the, in the 90s, and I didn't know what it was even going to be. It was just a company that I wanted to have in my mind. And... In the year 2000, I started as a blog, or before there was the word blog didn't even happen for like 2005 or something, but uh, it was a website. It was not unlike Mark Evanier's website where there was articles, right? And, and there was news and stuff. And um, <clears throat> hang on a second. So um, somewhere in that early period, the early version of of, uh, of cartoon research. Um, the uh, Ruth Clampett, who's a friend of mine, you know, Ruth, who does, yeah. you know, her daughter of uh, Bob Clampett. Yes. Does, and at that time did uh, limited, I think she's still doing it, a limited edition uh, artwork, animation yeah. artwork. Mm -hmm. And she did this fantastic box set of uh, cells from uh, Porky and Wacky Land. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and in the box set, if you bought the box, beautiful box, and inside with four, you know, uh, matted cells from Porky Wackerland. And in addition to it was um, a little booklet, which I don't have handy. A little, I don't, you may have seen her, maybe you have it. It's a little Porky and Wackyland booklet. Yeah, I think, she, whole... I think she showed that on Stu's show when she was on there. Oh, okay. Yeah. She had this booklet, and when I saw that booklet yeah. back then, back in the year 2000 or whatever year it was, I, my jaw dropped because I said, Ruth, because that was my idea of a mini book. I was like, yeah. wow. It's all, it's a booklet all about, she had model sheets, she had yeah. stills, she had text that talked about it. I'm like, this is a, I, I wanted to do this for like every Warner Brothers cartoon. I wanted every, I wanted to see this for Cole Black or, you know, or, or some other <laughs> thing. I wanted to see just this booklet. I thought this was the coolest thing ever. And she did it really well. Paper it's on and everything is beautiful. And, and then sometime around 2005, this is years after she, sold those as a limited edition. Mm -hmm. One day I was visiting with her and she had a couple books out. And I said, Ruth, remember, I love that book. That book is so great. I'd love to, you know, figure out a way to do books like that and sell them to my readers. And she said, well, if you'd like, you know, Jerry, we stopped selling these things, you know, and I've got about 75 of them in the back room. If you want them, you can have them. <laughs> I said, what do you mean I can have them? If I had them, I would sell them to my readers. I'd charge them money for it. I mean, you want me to, cause you can, Jerry, you've done this, well, not to pat myself on the back. You've done so many favors, just take them. So you'd be doing me a favor to get them out of the room. Cool. I put them on, I'm sure somebody listening to this. I put them on my website for, I forgot the amount. Like I want to say 15 bucks, but it might've been less. It was somewhere thing. It was like 10 or 15. Mm -hmm. I think. And they sold out like that. It was 75 of them. They just sold out like that. I knew they would. And, um, I don't think anybody, I mean, may have had a couple of people where I had to say, I don't have any more, yeah, but, yeah. um, um, uh, so I knew from then 
that, oh my God, if we came up with these little mini books, I know yeah. we could sell seven, we could sell 75 copies with no problem. Right. So anyway, Kevin sent me that, that, that Winsor McKay book and it was like a mini book. And I said, oh man, I love these. And I said the same thing to him. I said, I love this thing. I said, I'd love to see books like this to sell just on my website directly to my, just directly to my audience. You know, not, you don't sell it anywhere else except here. Or maybe you can put it on Amazon. I just made it. I said that like, like that. I didn't really mean anything. And he's like, well, if you want, I want to do it. And he's, he was asking me what kind of books, what would you want to do? I said, well, I do one on Tom Terrific. And you know, I, I, I don't even remember what I said. I, I remember the super president one. I, I had the press kit for that. I said, I have the press kit for super president. No one will ever write a book on super president. So, and, um, you know, at one point we were collaborating on ideas for them, but that's about my only involvement. He essentially, and I would loan him stuff for my collection sometimes mm -hmm. if he needed visuals. And um, uh, no, he basically did these books on his own. I mean, I would know what they were in advance, but, uh, and I, and he put my name in them and he put my logo on them and everything. And yeah, the idea was we're selling them just through the website, but it, he, you know, he made all the money off it. That's fine. I don't know if there were was any money to make off it. I remember him telling me once. Like how, money, but <laughs> well, one he told me one, one of the early ones that I thought would not sell well. I forgot what it was. Um, uh, he was telling me hardly sold any, you know, like 13 copies or something. Like, like dreaming you know, dead or something. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but those, but those are like, they're, 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 what, what is it? Book on demand, you know, print on demand. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, maybe I don't know, uh, know anything, but did, did that, besides the time he took to research it, write it and lay it out did it cost them anything to actually print it no no unless you print unless you want to buy one yeah yeah you know it's just i mean like I, a, I, even i bought them you know what i mean yeah. i didn't get them for free you know yeah so, so i mean if um, you just wanted to put it up there as an ebook let's say it would cost yeah. you nothing i mean yeah it's like i had a couple know, of people who asked me you know like what's the deal on publishing those i have some ideas but i'm not the publisher i'm not doing that that yeah. he did it all on his own that's the true story on that. So yeah. um, uh, I don't, I haven't heard from him since the last one. Yeah. He's probably writing other books about other subjects. Yeah. Um, it's been a while, but you know, it's like he was turning them out pretty darn fast. Like what, I think well, the last one once was a month, pretty much. There is, yeah. There's one about either the wizard of Oz or someone about Russian cartoons. I think that was the last one he did. Wow, I don't even know if I remember that. <laughs> I got them all. I told he you. He did that. Uh, the one on, uh, well, I guess I had to advertise them on, I had a blog post. He did Tom Terrific. He did Mighty Heroes. He Mighty did Quisp, Heroes. Quisp and Quake. Uh, you just said Super President. Uh, hmm. he did, didn't he do a Clutch Cargo one? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um, I got another book that you didn't do, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, he did a book about the Marx Brothers Love Happy movie. So I thought, oh, that's kind of cool. Oh. So I got that one too. <laughs> Right. <laughs> because most people don't like that film. And it's like, right. you know, okay, let's see what he says about it. And he actually likes it. So, yeah. Hey. Well, you <laughs> know, you got to write, you've got to write, you know, I'll tell you, I don't know these guys. Maybe, maybe we know each other through, through the internet, <clears throat> but the two guys, I'm sure you have this book, um, the Columbia comedy shorts. Do you have that book? It's not cartoons. It's the, oh, it's a McFarlane book. That's that lists every, of the Jules White, all the Columbia comedy. Actually, yeah, I actually don't have that. So. Oh, you should look for. I don't know if that's of interest to you, but no, um, it, would, it would be. It's yeah. yeah. It, it's no. It, um, let me say at the outset, it's a good book, and people should. If you're into that, you should yeah. have. Of course, it lists the Three Stooges, but it lists everything else beyond what Leonard listed in his 
great movie shorts. It's, you know, Andy Clyde and they list everything and they talk about everything. Here's the problem with that book. I, I, I love, hate that book. I actually like it. I'm on the love side of it. But the problem is, obviously these two guys, Ted Akuda and um, I forgot the name of the other guy, Watts, I think. Um, they, they apparently were big Three Stooges fans as we all are. Yeah. But they seemingly don't like anything else that Columbia put out except mm. the Stooge shorts. Mm. It seems to me when you read mm. this book. And so you're reading a book that's really well-researched and really thorough with the filmography and everything is in there. But these writers don't like what they're writing about. You know what I mean? They love the Three Stooges. They seem to, they're basing everything else that was done at that studio on the Three Stooges. It's, it's a weird book and it bothers me because yeah, I yeah. like people who, like, who love their subject. There's a lot in the subject you don't have to like, but yeah. you like the subject. And they, they seem to not, it seemed like they dug a yeah, hole. I mean, you, using one of my books, like let's say De Patty yeah. Freeling. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't like everything they put up, but I'm not going to sit there and badmouth, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the Hound Cats, let's say. You know, I actually like the Hound Cats, but, or, you know, uh, what's the one with the roller skating one? I can't, Bailey's Comets. Bailey's you know, Comets. Yeah. I left that up to like Art Leonardi and, uh, you know, <laughs> Barbara Donatelli to say it was a bad show. I didn't want to sit there and say it was a bad show. Right. It was a bad show. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's like I'm not going to sit there and say, this is awful, don't ever watch it. And if it did ever come out on a video release, you know, hey, I'd, I'd buy it. <laughs> you, know, you know, the TV animation of the, of the well, 60s, 70s, 80s yeah. <clears throat> that we all grew up with, yeah. um, you know, I, I mean, a lot of, from my generation, we all looked at animation as starting in the, in the teens a hundred years ago going up with Disney up to a certain height and then sinking to a horrible level, you know, by the seventies and eighties for me, from my yeah. point of view. Yeah. And, um, but now as another 40 years or more have gone by, um, I'm beginning to see the seventies, sixties, seventies, eighties TV animation as an equivalent in some ways to, to the silent animation of 1917, 18, 19, where, cause that animation is really limited animation um back in those days um and and great things came out of it as time went on in the history of animation I, and i kind of think that's what's going to happen when people look back ultimately that this weird tv era this post disney era yeah um you know starts in a crummy place and then gets better because it yeah, already yeah. has you yeah. know well that's I'm what not, i was asking earlier about warner archives if there's more that Hanna-Barbera stuff. It's like at the time, I couldn't give two shits about it. But, you know, now it's like I'm fascinated with what Filmation did and what DePatty Freeling did and what Hanna-Barbera did in the 70s and 80s. Because it's like, like it or not, they had the product, for lack of a better term, to continue to go and make Saturday morning memorable for generations. You know, it's like, you know, even if I personally didn't like a particular show, somebody right. else did. I didn't like Manchi Cheese, let's say. Somebody else probably did because they were three years old when it came on the air, whatever. You know, right. it's like, right. and uh, so, I don't know. I still so remember, this is a weird memory to have, but because <clears throat> I was obviously what I call a grown-up in a kid's world when uh, back in, in the 80s, for example. Like, I still remember being the animation fanatic I am still today and as I was then. Uh, going to 
a matinee screening of Secret of the Sword, you know, the He-Man movie. Yeah. And, and again, grown-ups didn't do that in 1986 or whatever, 85, whatever year that was. You just didn't, you did, grown up, they didn't even play it at night. It only played like daytimes, right. matinees. And uh, I, as a, the person I am, I said, <laughs> you know, I got to see this movie. This is before I was running a CIFA and we, you know, doing all the things I do later. So I, I went on a Saturday afternoon. That was a big mistake. To, to a matinee screening with hundreds of little kids, boys with so plastic swords. Wow. And when sitting and watching it and wrapped it, that part was good. They were watching it in wrapped attention, you know, so I could watch it. You know, I was just watching it because I wanted to see everything. And when they it goes, I have the power, the whole audience in unison, like Rocky Horror Picture Show, you know, was, you know, talking along with the, <laughs> so um let me show you this last thing and i think we're <laughs> kind right. of near the end of the uh session yep. don't you think yes all right so show me your surprise well, we, but... can, we can have a part two like uh mike ventrella yeah, <laughs> yeah the only one no there's been other part twos and you can return the this return is this is my vault. what what is this what is it you have to bring it up to the camera because I cannot see. I, I, <laughs> I see your Marrying Melodies poster. What's this other poster here? I can't even see it. Oh, that's a... Um, Another sparkling cartoon delight. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, I have three volumes. I was at a flea market in New York uh, in the 90s. And um, the guy had, oh, I don't know how many volumes. Maybe you're going to tell me you have this. Or you have something like it. Um, <laughs> the um, You probably have one for Harvey. When I worked at Harvey, you know that I worked. When I worked at Harvey, I yes, yes, I, yes, uh, yes. Jeff Montgomery had all you're, every Harvey comic bound volume. You know, you were on, you know. were on Baby Huey's ass. You pro, you posted it the other day. I know. <laughs> yeah, well, I was. Uh, so, so, um, so I was at this uh, flea market in Manhattan, and this guy had like a whole bunch of these books, and you can see where I'm going. And um, I looked at him, and I only bought three of them. He had like all of them, um, but it's bound volumes of Cracked, you know. Wow. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's like, you know. Wow. Like, I've got bound volumes of Cracked here that's, for you. That's you a know. hard issue to find, the one with Frankenstein on the cover. Oh, really? Anyway. <laughs> Unfortunately, it is, this particular one is missing one through five for some hmm. reason. But the other ones... So have, it's just random? Yeah. No, no it's, it's missing... One through five and sixteen through twenty for some reason, but then it has uh, twenty-one through thirty, and then um, let's see, and then I've got. Um, it looks like I've got them all. Nope. <laughs> I, bought, I bought three volumes, and the final volume is uh, ends with fifty, forty-one oh. through fifty. So, you know, these are the ones I grew up with when I was a kid in the sixties. So these are nostalgic for me. But they're also th those issues are pretty hard to find. Those are issues, they? yeah, yeah. It, crack never was a big seller until the seventies. You know, it, it just yeah. kind of kept going somehow. And in the seventies, when they did like a zillion Star Wars issues and Happy Days issues and uh, Laverne Shirley, whatever, then they started selling pretty decently. But back then, those are actually pretty hard to find. So it's, it's not a it's not a, find. it's not a Mark <laughs> it's not a Mark Arnold podcast if I don't hold up a copy of Cracked. No, um, the, uh, 
I actually bought this on the newsstand. <laughs> I still remember that issue. The the I, I it looks like number four fifty ends at nineteen sixty six, which sort of makes yeah. sense. I now in retrospect wish I bought maybe one more volume. But yeah. um but I bought the, the, the earliest ones the guy had and uh and they're treasured. They're right next to my bound volumes of Mad, you okay. know, Russ Cochran versions. And well, the have, cracked ones, was that uh, from a former staffer or was it just a per guy? Who I didn't even ask questions. Oh, clearly, okay. it was okay. a staffer okay. or somebody who worked there. And they were clearly either he stole them or they were being <laughs> thrown out when the offices closed or something. He just put them out on a flea market. So I lucked yeah. them out and I, I got them. And I'm, yeah, I would have snagged them up. Me, they're prized possessions. Well, it, it, at a local bookstore here in Oregon, I got a mad one that was – actually bound copies that a local library put together wow. and then, then they just discarded it some local used bookstore had it and it was very cheap it was like five you know bucks. Really? yeah i was like i mean I, I think <laughs> Stu has Stu has a couple of bound volumes of tv guide as much as i like having the original issues as is there's something cool about bound volumes oh yeah don't i don't have any i don't have any bound harveys but i've seen them and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, artist Frank Hill, who did Dennis Menace for a number of years, but uh, uh, he he at his house he has like a complete bound set of every issue he worked on. Wow! And uh, you know, I said, "Ooh, I want those," and he goes, "Nope." <laughs> I have, I have, and I'm wondering where I've got them. I think they're in my garage. Um, no, it is cool to have bound copies, even well, I, if it's unofficial. You know, if here's just, here's a story that I don't know if anybody out there will actually care uh, at all. But one day when I lived in New York in the early '80s, uh, and I was walking toward, I lived in the Village, and I uh, Forbidden Planet was the big comic book store on 12th Street and Broadway, and I lived on on like 13th street on the other side of town. So I would, on Saturday mornings, I just walk across town to go to golden apple. And one day I'm walking by and there's a dumpster, a big giant, giant dumpster, big, I mean, so big, you can't see over it. It was big. And uh, as I'm walking there and I forgot what, how I knew what found out what I found out was I, maybe I saw somebody in the dumpster and I sort of like decided to look over and see what's in the dumpster. And it was books. And somebody said, oh, they're throwing books out from the library. There's a library here. I didn't even know it on this street, 12th Street. And I, I said, book? What kind of books? He goes, oh, they're like magazines. I go, huh? So I went into this dumpster. And when I say went into it, it's hard to explain. It was literally like a, it was like, a, I want to say a baseball field. That's not what it was like. But literally six people, more than that, could, could be in this thing. And it was, dumpster. Okay. it's hard to explain. Like a truck. It was, it was like yeah. a, it was unbelievable. It was gigantic. Okay. And it was all junked. It was all junked. And what it was, was, was bound volumes of magazines. And I took as many as I could. I have a bunch of them downstairs. I was smart enough. They, these are, some of them were magazines nobody cared. We don't care about. But the ones that we did, like it was popular science. But the, the one that I cared about was they, had a, they, had, they seemingly had every issue of good housekeeping. <laughs> and you, think, you might think immediately, who cares? But remember, remember Good Housekeeping had those Disney pages in them. You know, yeah, it in depends the on how old it is, yeah. Right. Well, yeah. I found all the 1930s ones that had all the Disney pages. So I grabbed those. I still have those. Anyway, I'm just saying, I, 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 it's, I, that still to this day haunts me that somebody threw these away. You know, valuable. <laughs> I'm sure it happens all the time. Libraries say, oh, we put it on microfiche or we just, it's old. We don't need oh, it these anymore. Days, these days with yeah. scanning and stuff, there, there, yeah. there, there's a lot of people throwing away good stuff, which is yeah. sad. 
Uh, anyway. all, right. all right. On that note about throwing things away. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, uh, last question. Next time we'll uh, talk about Harvey. You go ahead. Sure. Yeah. You thought I was going to talk all about Harvey, but anyway, you know, yeah. I have other More than myself, so anyway, purposely. you can interview me next time. But anyway, it's like, how can people get a hold of you if they want to uh, reach out to you? Or you could say, no, 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 no. Yeah, don't, don't, don't reach out. No, I, um, uh, my, my, my email is, is on the contact page of cartoonresearch.com. One could check out the Cartoon Research Facebook page or the Jerry Beck Facebook page or Cartoon research on facebook um I'm, I'm very accessible all right very good i thank you jerry for being my special guest finally got you on the 90th show Woo. hope it's we didn't bore you yeah <laughs> it might be 90 and 91 i don't know it depends on how you know but anyway appreciate it and uh, we'll talk again soon all right anytime all right. thank you for listening and thank you jerry beck for being my special guest episode number 92 will be coming soon if you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2020, Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night. Headed home to a cardboard hut with duct tape doors. I'm paying Be glad it isn't yours Now get up Crap Mountain 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 Get up That Don't fall back Don't fall back Don't fall back